Well, let's ask that the Lord would speak to us. Uh, what I have prepared is nominal at best. It's very ordinary. But uh, we're going to hope that the Lord uses it and speaks to it and really makes it extraordinary for each person. Let's go before him specifically asking that he would speak to our hearts through the message this morning. Father, as we unfold what you have preciously communicated, let us understand that there is a mystery to this, that your word is alive. It is that double-edged sword. It is uh, all that we need pertaining to life. And that the mysteries of what we will see in the text today truly represents not just your balance, your focus, your uh, design within our lives. As we look back 2,000 years in history, we see your hand at work and unfolding in the narrative and how that might relate to our personal lives, our corporate lives as Conquer Bible Church, our corporate lives pertaining to the kingdom. Help manifest what we see in this story, this true story, this amazing, extraordinary story, so that we might be able to walk closer with you, but walk in an appropriate and powerful and humble manner day by day. Speak, Father. To You be all glory. Amen. Turn to Acts 19, and we're continuing on in looking at Paul and his trip back to Ephesus. We had a tremendous time looking backwards. Uh, at this passage last week. As we do so, the message is called the wow factor. I love that picture. I absolutely love that picture. <clears throat> you know why? Because amazing things happen all around us all the time. And as we get older, we kind of we look like this. We just, we're very cynical the older we get, are we not? To get that face, it really requires something extraordinary to happen. And yet when we're young, when we see God work, it's extraordinary. Is it not? Do you remember when you first stepped into the faith? That wow factor. And so much of the time we... I get to hear from individuals that they have walked with the Lord for decades and they long for those early days where it was this wow factor. The beauty of it is, is that God has not changed. And so as we dive into this Word today, we get to see some new people that are coming into the faith that there was a huge wow factor. We get to see some foolish people that learned a huge valuable lesson there was a wow factor. And we get to see a salty veteran in the faith that I'm sure there was a wow factor. 
So let's look and let's break this down passage by passage. We're going to start in 11 through 12. Paul is in Ephesus. He has reinvested. There's amazing things going on. And suddenly some things start really accelerating. Really accelerating. Let's look at verse 11 and 12. And I think I've got it up on the... uh, I don't have my clicker here. So our first point today, if you're in the sermon notes, is extraordinary healing through Paul. Extraordinary healing through Paul. And the next slide has the verses on it. But let me read 11 through 12. And it says this, And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Do you think that if this were to happen in our churches today, there would be a wow factor? Of course. Of course there would be a wow factor. The, the Lord was uniquely working through Paul in a powerful way. Now let me... Let me sh- challenge you and get you to think a little bit here what is more important i come up to you and i offer you a thousand dollars and i say you need to invest this now i have a ponzi scheme that could return fourfold over this next year for you if you want to invest with me or you can put it into a nice conservative 401k How many vote the Ponzi scheme? Really? Did I mention you could earn four times? Where's the wow factor, folks? So you're telling me all you're going to roll it conservative. You're going to put it into the 401k. Get your 5% return. Well done. Well done. Let me just explain something to you. What is the most important wow factor? The most impossible action that Christ does continually, whether through Paul or others, is reaching to someone who is lost and stuck, submerged in sin, and has no conscious ability to work themselves out of that, and he comes And what is foolishness, 1 Corinthians 2, what is foolishness in one moment becomes the very thing that they are willing to die for the next moment. To me, that is the most miraculous. Prayer cloths and aprons, nice wow factor. But here's what we do know is that we have many churches that have focused on that and they have lost. Oh, how tragic. They have lost the passion for seeing the impossible happen, which happens all around us. When someone moves from darkness of sin and death into a light of life through Jesus Christ. Why are our churches failing to be wowed by that? That just becomes a statistic on a board somewhere. And very rarely is it magnified or spoken of. But when we see someone get healed, 
When we send out our prayer cloth through TV, and all of a sudden we got $10,000 from a Nigerian prince, for real. There's a wow factor. We've got it mixed up. Remember first things first, right? First things first. The single most impossible but very real thing is the work that God does to set the sinner free. Amen? And if you have experienced that, you should have been giving a really good amen. amen. There's the wow factor. So the answer to this idea of God or, or the Lord uniquely working through Paul in a powerful way, we see that he's doing it specifically in this area with, at, at Ephesus. At no other time do we see in Paul's ministry that he's working so miraculously that people just touch a cloth, a prayer cloth, or, a, or an apron and they're healed. This is unique to this time right here in this moment. How do we wrap our minds around all that? Because just like most human beings, there are individuals that have focused so deeply on this that they have fleeced the church and have nothing to do with who Christ is. And we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that answer in truth on our third point today. So, what are the reasons that may be behind this unique, extraordinary moment in Paul's ministry? Well, one is to speak to a mystical culture. When you read through the letter that Paul gives to those in Ephesus, written uh, uh, 15, maybe 20 years after he goes into Ephesus here in Acts, he uses a particular word over and over and over, and that word is mystery. This was a culture, this was a society that was shrouded in idol worship. The temple of, of Artemis or Aphrodite, I think it's Artemis. The temple of Artemis was there in Ephesus. Pagan Roman worship was huge. And individuals would make incredible sacrifices to pagan gods. And they had learned incantations and they had practiced witchcraft and practiced uh, sorcery and, and all of those kinds of elements. And you're going to see in the text shortly how wrapped up they were into this. So maybe one of the reasons God works uniquely is to show true power. Because you all told me that you really didn't want the Ponzi scheme, you wanted 5%. That's where the real power is. And so God comes along and maybe He's working uniquely because He's speaking to a unique group of people. When you are engaging with the Lord, have you ever experienced Him engaging with you particular to the unique circumstances that are going on in your life at that moment? When He reached to you for that first time and the light of Christ came into your life, did He do so in kind of a unique way that was different from others that you've heard, but still prioritized according to the Gospel, but He came to you in a unique circumstance that that was the only way you would have listened. God works in mysterious ways. He works in extraordinary ways. Maybe it was to demonstrate God's power over the Roman gods. And, and to make a statement. Many of you will remember the, the Old Testament story where the Philistines had taken the Ark of the Covenant and had put it up in their, their trophy room, so to speak. And there were multiple gods. 
And what would happen is they'd come in in the morning and all those other idols or gods would be fallen on their faces. And they'd set them back up and they'd come back again and they're all falling down on their faces. Eventually the Philistines said, enough is enough. Let's get this thing out of here. And they just kind of sent it. Right? Just, I, well, as long as it's not here, because this thing's too powerful. It's amazing when God shows up how it tends to extraordinarily transform and rise above what we consider powerful. So maybe that's what God is doing here through Paul. Maybe it's to demonstrate or establish Paul as an apostle comparative to Peter. Scripture says that Peter would walk by and just his shadow touching somebody would heal. Isn't that amazing? Just his shadow. We know that Christ, when He was walking, a, a woman who had uh, an ailment reached out and touched His robe. And the way that Scripture speaks is that Christ could sense her drawing upon His power because of her faith. And without even seeing her, He said, who is touching Me? And so you have this sense of it starts with Christ and then Christ gives that power through the Holy Spirit to Peter to establish his apostleship or one of the signs of his apostleship. It certainly seems that there is some good credibility that maybe this is what God's doing with Paul as well uniquely at this time. Maybe that's another reason as to why this extraordinary circumstance is happening. We can safely reason that this was extraordinary to Paul. Why? You know, the interesting thing is, is I've grown up with, you've grown up with individuals that we hear about. If you just send a love gift, that's a lot of love. If you just send a love gift, I will send you my prayer cloth that has an embroidered profile picture of me and Jesus high-fiving. And you keep that with you and blessings will abound. It is amazing. By the way, God doesn't need a prayer cloth. It just happened to be the item through which He worked uniquely through Paul in this moment. He can use a shadow. He can use a robe. He can use a cloth. He can use an apron. The point is, is it's extraordinary. It's mysterious. It's a wow factor. And God knows the frailty of the human species. That we need to be wowed to pay attention. And we live in a society now, I just read an article, that, that our young people and 20-somethings have more at their fingertips than ever before. They have been the generation that has been doted on more than ever before. Parents have gone out of their way and spent hours and hours and weekends with them traveling for sports things and, and going to recitals and, and all of these things, whereas before, latchkey kids really didn't have a lot of time with their parents. And so there's been this swing, this reactive pendulum swing, right? And yet what it says is that this generation is the most listless and unhappy generation recorded since they started tracking it. It's hard to get a wow factor anymore. 
right? Family and I are sitting there watching The Incredibles 2. Wow. <laughs> Favorite line in that? If you're a dad, you've got to go see this movie because Bob Parr nails it over and over. Mr. Incredible, over and over. Greatest line, not a, not a spoiler alert, but greatest line in the movie. He's going on one of his rants, which if my kids are here, they can relate, right? You know, something's not going right. You got all the stresses. You're trying to get the kids out to, you know, this and that and the other. And then you just start going on a rant. And at the end of this rant, he says, and we're out of AA batteries. I had AAA batteries, but we're out of AA. And wouldn't you figure? And I'm watching this. And the, the incredible part about it, pun intended, is that you get so immersed into it, you forget its animation. The animation is so incredible, you, you almost think that this is, like, believable. Well, the script makes it believable, but there's a wow factor that goes on in our life, but it's getting more and more challenging to find that. And in this society, in this culture, it was challenging. They were immersed in mysticism. They were immersed in worship to gods, but powerless gods. So God works in a unique and extraordinary different way. Extraordinary pursuit and sacrifice cultivates the possibilities of God's miraculous hand. Who were some people that God didn't do this with? That were God's chosen servants. We have no record of Timothy in a prayer cloth. We have no record of Silas in an apron. Does that make them less used by God? Absolutely not. So this was an extraordinary circumstance. Paul's running point. He's the one bringing the message. And so God chooses for the people that Paul is speaking to to use a unique circumstance to go above and beyond what they have invested in, what they thought was powerful, what they thought was mysterious. But it's unique. It's unique to Paul. Does that mean that God couldn't do that today? No. Many of you have experienced God's extraordinary hand around you. Right? I'm going I'm to get personal. These are the things I always say, I've got to stop doing this, but I can't, I can't help it. If you're visiting with us today, this is just who we are as a family church. Uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to go to somebody that I know is a safe target right now. All right? Treya. She's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Treya is now, this is extraordinary. For 12 years, Treya has sat over there. This has nothing to do with my point, but she has sat over there, and now she's over here. Uh, <laughs> what you to say? Uh, Pastor Jeremy's going to say something about this. Uh, Treya, you just celebrated uh, Cheeky's birthday. How long did you pray for that child to come into your life? And do you feel God's miraculous, extraordinary hand blessed you and Fernando? <laughs> A true parent. A true parent. Oh my goodness. That's why you're not supposed to go off script. Let me just get right back into my notes. The idea is this. God is still working today. How do you judge the ordinary versus the extraordinary? I'm glad you asked. So you have a prayer cloth. This is, uh, let's keep that up there. Um, 
This is a prayer cloth that got sent out. It says, the pra- this prayer cloth is your point of contact against cancer and incurable diseases. And he cites this very passage. What do you say to the family at the funeral of someone who bought the prayer cloth and it did nothing? Does that mean that what we're reading here is not real? No. Absolutely not. How many of you have received an answer to prayer about something specific at a specific time, and yet you know someone who was praying the very same thing, and they didn't receive that answer in the time that you did? Or in the way that you did? Brothers and sisters, this is the part where we have to trust God. That God uniquely works for the benefit of His children and for the glory of His kingdom. And we are fallible, are we not? We think we know what the best situation is. But God truly does. That doesn't mean it's comfortable. It doesn't mean that it's easy. But if we get on track with that, God will do something extraordinary. And suddenly our prayers start to line up with what He is doing. There is a challenge when we want to make the extraordinary ordinary. Do you hear me clearly on that? And here's the challenge you're about to see as we go to the next three verses. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. Individuals saw what Paul was doing and said, we want in on that action because everybody's listening to this guy and we could make this work for us. Did you ever wonder if WWE was in the Bible? Because it is. And you're about to go there. Let's look at the next set of verses. And the next point is extraordinary engagements reveal spiritual realities. By the way, what I want you to hold on to is extraordinary healing through Paul that God's still working today. And He'll work individually, but He'll also work corporately within His church. There are some incredibly exciting things happening here at CBC. And God is working miraculously, extraordinarily. And it's phenomenal. And I know that this church has a bright spot in the throne room of heaven. Because God is working in this church. There are so many churches around our nation, around the world, that are dead. Because they haven't put first things first. God is working But here's the key. You want to see, you want to experience what Paul was experiencing? Then you have to pursue that. You have to put yourself into positions to be used. And then God may use you to one degree or another. It will be extraordinary, I promise you. I don't promise you a prayer cloth ministry, but I promise you experiences with the Lord that go far above and beyond the ordinary processes that go day to day or week to week when we're not pursuing Him like Paul was. I did two mission trips to Hong Kong, 2002-2004. In 2004, I didn't do such a great job with assembling my team. And by... Uh, 16 days of 102 degree heat, monsoon weather, 
and 102% humidity and working from 6 a.m. till 10 p.m. every day, I was toast. I was done. And some of you have heard this story, but we got one evening off in, 16, or in, in, in 14 days. We got one evening off. In this particular evening, we went to a spaghetti factory. Oh no, TGI Fridays. We went to a TGI Fridays in Hong Kong. And then from there, we went down and, and went out to the peninsula, took the boat over to Hong Kong Island, and then we went up Victoria Peak. And we're up there, and I gave specific instructions. We need to be back to the tram at 9. If we're not, we miss the MTA under the, under the bay, and we stay on Hong Kong Island overnight. And that's not a good thing here. They have canes, and they hit people that are sleep, sleeping in parks. I don't want to get canes, so you're on your own. Sure enough, I have one person that doesn't show up and they basically cop an attitude with me. Well, I want to go shopping and you're going to wait. And uh, I told everybody, I'm going over and I'm getting in the line for the tram. If you want to make it back tonight, you can join me or you can follow them. And so I walked over and got in line, and I'm having one of those Jonah moments with the Lord. Right? God, I'm serving you. Have you been paying attention to how hot it is? Did you notice I'm not the thinnest man in the world? The humidity, the long hours, on and on it goes. And you give me that? What are we doing here? I thought we were, and I, I'll stop there. You don't need to know the rest of the story, <laughs> but I'll stop there. And I kid you not, I'm standing in line with probably 80 Asian folks. I stand out. I literally stand a foot higher than everybody in line. Now, if you think that's really bad, I'm going to get even more racist in a moment. <laughs> By the way, if you're new here, I, I, the elephant in the room gets shot all the time with me, okay? As I'm standing there having this Jonah moment with the Lord, a voice speaks to me from my left saying, it's tough to be the leader, isn't it? I turn and I look and there is what I can only describe as Fabio's doppelganger. <laughs> a six foot five, golden haired, tan god <laughs> with his twin. And he looks me in the face and he's got this smile. And he had just said, by the way, let's just review for the sake of this discussion. Uh, it's hard to be the leader, isn't it? And I mumbled something like, you don't know the half of it, brother, you know. And I went back to looking this way because I'm like, you know, I'm a tourist. Don't talk. Don't ever look anybody in the eyes around here. And I'm like, what just happened? What? And I, there's nobody there. When you have that moment when Fabio comes to you and tells you what you're thinking... You stop complaining. That went miles to getting me home safely and the rest of the team. 
But not only that, it helps me understand that God spoke to me. Whether or not, you know, whether or not those people were actually there, and I think that that was an angelic presence, whether or not that that was... It doesn't matter. God gave me a message and went to extraordinary lengths. Because why? Because I was on the bench? Because I was sitting in my office in Santa Clarita? No, because we were out. We were engaged. We were working hard. We were pursuing. And that means you're going to get tired. You're going to get worn down. And in those moments, that's when I uniquely see God show up in extraordinary levels. So let's look at this WWE SmackDown, shall we? So extraordinary engagements reveal spiritual realities. 13 through 16. Let's look at it. This is, this is one of the favorite. This is where your teenagers go when they want to just have an open forum for, for talking through stuff. This is great stuff. Uh, the sons of Siva. Pick it up in, uh, let's see, verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, apparently that's a job. <laughs> you can go to workforce and write up your resume as an itinerant Jewish exorcist. All right? Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus who Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this, but the evil spirits answered them. Okay, hold on. Let's back it up, Pastor. This is great mythology. As a matter of fact, little unknown fact, Josephus recorded every high priest in scripture and Siva is not in there so you may say well that that really is a fabricated story well hang on a minute these individuals were rather spurious weren't they what's the number one thing you're going to do if you want to run a ponzi scheme you're going to give yourself a good title aren't you and so the reality is they're in ephesus they're not in jerusalem and uh these individuals, the Jewish diaspora, had spread out all along the Mediterranean seaboard. So they knew about exorcisms, they knew about evil spirits. What's interesting about Ephesus is that all of a sudden you have this very uh, uh, unique and extraordinary description of a city, a first century city, where there's a lot of evil spirits that are involved. And so why would that be? We don't know for sure. But one speculation is when you do idol worship, you open up yourself to evil spirits. There's a logical process to think. We don't know that that's exactly why for sure, but there's a logical thing to think. So there is an extraordinary level of evil spirits that are involved here. And it's amateur night. Let's see what happens. So seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Siva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them. Oh, by the way, they did pretty good, right? They said, we adjure you in the name of who? Jesus. And according to Paul. Well, sure, if you're a startup company, you're going to put a big apple on your, on your icon list. You know, we're, and it's going to have two bites out of it, so legally you can't get sued. Right? <laughs> But you're going to associate yourself with the big guy so you can just accelerate through and ride on the coattails. Pretty good marketing here. 
Let's see if it worked. This is fascinating, folks. This is fascinating, and it really will speak to our last point. <laughs> but the evil spirit, verse 15, but the evil spirit answered them. Really? The evil spirit talks back. Yes, absolutely it does. Jesus, I know. Do you have any doubts about the spiritual world? He didn't say, uh, <clears throat> well, uh, could we just clarify? Are you talking about Zeus, Poseidon? Are you talking about Helena? Are you talking about Apollo, Ares? His evil spirit said, we know Jesus. And it gets better. Uh, actually, it doesn't get better. Sorry, I misspoke. It continues on. It doesn't get any better than they know Jesus. And Paul, I recognize. But who are you? Mm -mm. Startup company? Ponzi scheme? You overstepped. And what happened? <laughs> and verse 16. And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And that just goes to show if you're a fraud, even Satan will literally expose you. The, no, really, I worked on that for like two days. <laughs> so you caught that like they ran out naked and like literally, how many of you got coffee today? <laughs> Brothers and sisters, this is reality. Let's start with some ideas here. Let's start at looking at the text. The faith is full of frauds, freelancing for fortune and fame. Let me say that real slow. The faith is full of frauds, freelancing for fortune and fame. Does that have anything to do with Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. And I'm not unsure it's unrighteous to pray that they get a beat down like these boys. In love by Jesus. God's power will not be associated with frauds. Amen? It will not be associated with frauds. By the way, let me just speak to this. You remember Moses. God gives Moses some signs that he gets to do. And what happened with, with uh, Pharaoh's satraps and magicians? They were able to replicate some of that. So let's just be really observant that the satanic realm has powers as well. And that they are not to be messed with. They are not to be trifled with. They are not to be ignored. But God will show Himself to be more powerful over Satan every time. Do not be fooled into following the Ponzi scheme. Or you're going to get a beat down like this. God's power will not be associated with frauds. The reality of spiritual forces is something that we as a society want to deny. The individual that shot, uh, I, I'm not, I don't remember how many um, students, and please forgive me, how many students died recently in, in the Parkland shooting, 
But recently, that individual came out and in testimony saying, like so many others before him, that he heard voices in his head telling him to do this. So our society doesn't know what to do with that. Because if you recognize that as something that is satanic, then you have to accept that Satan is real. If we accept Satan is real, we have to accept the whole thing, right? Well, if I accept the whole thing, I have to change my life. I don't want to do that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to relabel things. We're going to re-educate. And so what we're going to do is we're going to call this, what should we call it? Someone hearing voices, someone acting out in unreasonable fits of violence. We could call that schizophrenia, and it sounds a lot smarter. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully here. Are there those who carry the burden of schizophrenia that, that that is what it is. I'm not a medical doctor, but I would tell you yes. There are things that we are doing in this world, in this society, autism up 400% in the past two to three decades. Something's wrong, folks. Something's desperately wrong, and we're doing some of this to ourselves. But I would also tell you that I have encountered those who hear voices. And it is not schizophrenia. I have encountered this evil manifested. And it is not mental health issues. Extraordinary engagements reveal spiritual realities. You live in a society that wants to soft-pedal the reality of this stuff. That is a tool of the enemy. This isn't real. It isn't real. We can classify this. We can, we can toss this into a, a different category that you can kind of wrap your head around. The extraordinary beatdown because of the failure to be authenticated was on display for all of Ephesus to see. Are we known for ordinary or extraordinary in this world and in the spiritual world? I'll share with you that we have a, we have a friend. You probably need to check with my wife about this story. She knows it better than I do. But... Uh, uh, this friend, I think, was at a gas station and was getting gas and saw a person acting out um, and, and was just burdened to pray for that individual. And as she was praying, the person promptly turned around, and I don't think they were anywhere close in proximity, but the per person turned around, walked up to Janine's friend and said, stop praying for me, I don't want your prayers. Folks, these are real things. These are extraordinary, but they're real. Just like they were in the first century, they're happening now. So what do we do with it? Well, we recognize that God, number one, is more powerful. What's, ex what's really extraordinary here is that you would think that the enemy would understand these frauds. I would let them play out. Wouldn't you, if you were against what God is doing and changing things? Instead... This just adds to the story and the credibility of God. And it added to the opportunity of the church at Ephesus to blossom and to be fruitful. Is that they recognize these things. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. 
and I think I have that at the very end. We'll come up to it here in a minute. But it talks about, Paul talks about, and he's reminding this very church, your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the principalities. It is against the rulers of the air. This is real. And he says, help me out. So put on the whole armor of God. Help me out. Helmet of... What, what's the part of faith? What part of armor? The shield. Uh, the word is the what? The sword. And what was the apron? No, there's no apron. <laughs> Let me just help you out. There's no apron. There's no prayer cloth listed. But we as humans, we would look at what happened here and maybe at the, the, those in Ephesus were looking and they're saying, well, maybe we need those prayer cloths. Maybe we need those aprons. Paul comes back and he says, no. Get in depth with faith. Get in depth with your prayer. Get in depth with the Word. Get in depth with righteousness. This is how you battle against the principalities. Not with prayer claws. Last point. Extraordinary encounters result in measurable repentance and transformation. And this really is where we need to, to focus today. We might get wowed by the details of this story. Can I beg you, if you're going to get wowed by anything today, you get wowed at what happens as a result of all that's preceding. All that we have seen so far out of the story. Get wowed by what you're about to hear. Verses 20, or 17 through 20. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is the wow factor. This is the picture of true transformation. We have this scripture up here. New creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17. How do you know that the Spirit of God really has taken root? How do you know if someone truly has saving faith in Jesus Christ? Because part of that process is to leave the old behind and to pursue the new with everything that you are. Amen? If you're here today and you have not yet tasted the grace and saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, here within this story, which is much more than a story, it is a historical account about the transformation of a large city. Not everybody, but a large city. And they saw the power of God on display and they responded. And they responded in several ways. Let's look at this because it's important. Number one, the name of Jesus was praised. You saw that, right? It said that His, his name was extolled. So we're not going to be praising Apollo anymore. We're not going to be praising Zeus or Artemis anymore. Folks, this is happening in the backyard 
of a city where one of the seven wonders of the world exists. It is one of the largest cities, cosmopolitan cities at that time. It was a destination place for worshipers. And God went in there and leveled the, the, the grip, the chains, the bondage that Satan had in that city. And he had to use extraordinary circumstances to do so through Paul. And so what was the first part? Jesus' name was praised. There's a transfer as to who you admire. Secondly, the people repented to great personal transformation and sacrifice. What did they do? They took all that they had put their money into, all that they had invested, and it was into things that were counter to the message of Jesus Christ. And they said, enough is enough. They didn't sell those things for personal gain. They could have sold them. They brought them and as a sacrifice of worship to say, I am done with the old ways because they are pointless, they are worthless, and we're going to burn them. Folks, this added up to modern day millions of dollars. Not hundreds, not tens, not thousands, millions of dollars. That was the power of what happened in this moment. It was extraordinary. What are we willing to give? You're going to hear as, as we're getting close to July 8th, you'll hear in a little bit, we're launching our 2020 vision. The Lord is working and we all get excited and we say, Amen. We're going to need to pull together. There are so many things that are coming together that God has had plans for this church and He's built this incredible foundation and we have been active, we have been focused. God is working and has been from day one. And now He has this new thing for us. We are going to need to pull together. And it's going to require some sacrifice. Are we ready to do that? In order that the Lord would be praised and God's work would continue. Lastly, the Word continued on and was growing and magnified within the church. I have this highlighted up here. It says, so the Word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Do you know that if those who are advocates to, dis to destroy Christianity, if they can disprove this, which by the way, this makes it real easy. It makes some incredible claims. The, the ability for this to hold up and to stand up as truth, the odds are so far against it, you would think that those who despise God, despise Christ, if you can just put this down, Christianity is done. It's done. People will walk away. But it's still the number one selling life-changing, love-giving, life-transformational piece of God's instruction and encouragement to mankind. And that is why it cannot be put down. It is the truth. And it cannot be put down. And so we see that the last point that Luke lets us know is that the Word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. By the way, it was still active. It was still being written. Fifteen some odd years later, you get the epistle written to the Ephesians. We're not done. 
We're not done. It's being written in real time. How exciting. This morning I want us to wrestle with two things in closing. Let's go to the next slide. Picture a church that is relevant in heaven, earth, and hell because people of all ages, cultures, and positions are transformed and unified through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is exactly what we see happen in the, in the narrative this morning with real people, with real action by the Lord, through a real servant of God. And it is inspirational. It drives us to God. It had an effect in heaven, in earth, on earth, and in hell. Did it not? This is our vision statement at Conquer Bible Church. In essence, what we're saying is we envision this church, this local body, to be doing this. Because God does not change. Our challenge is to get so motivated that we get out of our offices, we get out of our recliners, we get out of our Starbucks seats, and we go out and we engage. Be careful that you don't get a demonic slapdown. James warns us about haphazardly approaching The agenda of Satan. But when you see God do extraordinary things, usually it's because you're involved and because you've sacrificially said, I want to live this vision. I want to live this vision. Let me leave you with just one quick challenge. Let's go to the next slide. And hit it, there you go. Real relationship with Jesus Christ will always court extraordinary strength as well as expose ordinary weaknesses of life without Jesus Christ. Now the challenge is, so much of the time we want the extraordinary. Are we willing to work for it? Are we willing to do the heavy lifting to see God work through us? Are we fully involved in trusting Christ to see what's happening in our own lives? By the way, it doesn't have to be some huge monumental thing. God pays attention to the details, does He not? But let's see God do an extraordinary answer. Last week, we saw something extraordinary here. I'm studying for the prior two weeks on the passage, and then I received this testimony at Jessica's baptism, and there's a word that pops out. I believe the Holy Spirit made that word pop out to me in the middle of her testimony, and it was authentic. The la last week's message was about Jesus Christ, the real thing. The real thing. And what are the evidences of real relationship with Jesus Christ? And as I formulated that message, the Spirit started talking to me and said, I have something planned extraordinary. That doesn't work grammatically. I have an extraordinary plan <laughs> for the service next week. So I want you to do something not ordinary. I want you to give the opportunity for people to respond. And not only that, 
I want you to give the opportunity for people to respond by coming forward while we're singing. So they take those steps of faith. They do something extraordinary. You'll see we have two new lights lit. That is extraordinary. That's the wow factor. That is the wow factor. Now, as we look at that great pithy statement that someone wrote in the 21st century, it's an incredible piece. You should write that down. It's just so good. Just a pretty ordinary picture behind. Right? Anybody sitting here wondering, why, why did he pick a picture of a rock and a lake? I mean, it's, it's an okay background. But it's pretty ordinary. Or is it? Yeah, some of you see it, don't you? There are things, brothers and sisters, that are happening all around us that it takes spiritual eyes to see. And sometimes we have to work a little harder to see the extraordinary. And what I'm speaking of is the mother and the child laying down sideways with their hands in a position of prayer. Let me pray. We'll see if you guys close your eyes. Father, we come before you looking at this immensely powerful passage. I pray, Lord God, that as we are gathered as a church, whether it's these Sunday mornings or whether it's in our day in, day out actions, activities, life, that we seek you and have an expectation to have relationship with you in an extraordinary way. That we do not settle for the ordinary. That we are able to see the value of this passage today. That we know that you worked so powerfully that you used things like claws and aprons to change people's lives and heal them. That's your prerogative. You could still do that today, Father, and in unique ways, you do things like that. But Father, we are helplessly lost. There are so many around us that are frauds because they're seeking their own fame, their own fortune, at the expense of Christ on the cross. Help us to know the difference. Let us not be those individuals that give in to a selfish approach and agenda to the spiritual world lest we receive our own spiritual smackdown. Thank You for the truth and the reality that this passage forces us to wrestle with, that You will be exalted. You are above all things. And that we can trust in You to do the extraordinary. Let us not settle for the ordinary, Father, because You are extraordinary. To You be all glory. Amen.